Hey, Three Circle Church, it's really good to be with you guys uh, for the beginning of a new series during midweek. And uh, we hope that you're all doing well. We hope that uh, you are continuing to walk with Jesus during this time. That, that's our hope, is that we wouldn't waste this time, but we would redeem the time and the opportunities God has put in front of us. And I hope you're doing the way we are here as a staff at Three Circle. We've asked ourselves not so much what can we not do right now, Instead, we keep looking at all the things that we can do, that, that this situation has afforded us. And so we're very grateful for the many opportunities God has given us as a church to be able to minister to the community, uh, to be there for one another. It's just been incredible. And let me just say this to you, Three Circle. I can't thank you enough for your faithfulness during this time, uh, for your generosity during this time. Uh, over $60,000 have has come in for the Code of 19 offering. That has enabled us to help this community in just untold ways. It's been amazing. So uh, you're the greatest church in the world, and I always knew that, but you, you've proven that over the past couple of months with this situation. So from the bottom of my heart as your pastor, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us uh, for midweek. Now what we're going to do is we're going to begin a series, and we're going to be here for, for a while uh, because we're going to walk through verse by verse. We're just going to walk through the book of Philippians. And Philippians is this great book of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, if you'll pull those out now. And I'm just going to turn. This is one of my favorite Bibles. My kids laugh at me because they're like, Dad, that Bible is going to fall apart. I've been preaching with this Bible for over a decade. And at some point, I do need to retire it and get another one. And I use an ESV. So uh, I like all the translations a lot. My two favorites are ESV and New King James. Typically, I'll be teaching out of those 85% of the time we teach out of ESV. I just think it's a great translation, especially for uh, studying the Word of God, which we're going to be doing. And, uh, and we're just going to walk through this incredible book. Let me tell you a few things about it right out of the gate. Paul wrote the book of Philippians, and it's a letter. Let me ask you this. Have you ever gotten a really nice thank you letter? Like you did something for someone, and they sent you a thank you card, and it was so kind, and it meant a lot to you, right? The book of Philippians is like a thank you letter on steroids, Okay. Because Paul is thanking the Philippian church, which he clearly loves. He loves this church. It's a church that he actually planted 10 years before this. You can kind of go back to the book of Acts. You can see right when Paul planted the church in Philippi, known as the Philippians. And he loves this church. He loved all the churches, but you can tell that sometimes there's a church he just really loved. He loved this church. And they had been generous to him. It's clear that he got a gift from them. We'll see it as we study this book. So he is thanking them in this letter, this epistle, uh, for their generosity to him. But then he packs his thank you letter with theology, with uh, admonition, with inspiration. Uh, he's going to use a lot of military language because this book is uh, widely known as the joy book, right? It's known as the book of joy. Well, he wrote it in prison. He was in prison when he wrote this book, this letter. So all of those things add to the layers of richness, right, and meaning to this incredible book. So he writes a thank you letter, and he loads it down with all this incredible truth and theology. And we're, we're going to get to go with it. And we're going to start with the first six verses. So if you have your Bibles, let's just go there now. I'm just going to read it, and then we'll just kind of unpack it. So it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just stop there in those first two verses. So basically it's the beginning of the letter. And, uh, and he lets them know, here, here's who's talking to you. Paul and his, his, uh, his mentoree, uh, Timothy, are both kind of a part of this. 
And he starts by saying to all the saints. Now, I don't know if you guys are football fans. I'm a big New Orleans Saints fan. I have been my whole life. And I lived through the bad years, okay? And then Drew Brees came to town, and we became an incredible team and won a Super Bowl and all that. But I remember the, the grocery bag over the face years of the Saints. This is a word we don't use a lot, though, in church anymore, right? We, we typically don't say, hey, to all the saints. I love that word, though. Uh, the word saint, uh, especially in an evangelical uh, structure, means that you're saved. These are believers. So I think sometimes we think the word saint means you're perfect. And in a sense, all believers are. We've been made perfect in Christ. Uh, but none of us are worthy of that, right? Uh, we all know that we're imperfect people made perfect by the covering of Jesus over us. And yet Paul talks to the Philippians, and we're going to see here, they need encouragement, they need to grow, they need to mature, they're not perfect, but he still calls them saints. Why is that? Because, listen, right out of the gate we get a truth. And the truth is, as believers in Christ, there is a present reality that has been declared over you that you are continuing through the process of sanctification to actually become more like the reality that's been declared over you by your Father because of Jesus and the work of the cross and the work of His own death is that you have been set free from any guilt. You are totally innocent and you get credit for His perfect life. So therefore, you are declared by God a saint. It's amazing, right? The truth of the gospel. But we all know that we are saints still growing, still in process, right? We'll get to more of that in just a moment. To all the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father. There's, there's these ideas of grace and peace. They go together. The grace of God is unwarranted. We didn't deserve it. We certainly haven't earned it, but we have been given it in Christ. And then peace. Because of this work of God for us and grace, we can walk in shalom, peace. Not just the absence of evil, but the presence of good, which means ultimately the presence of God. And then we go to verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Do you hear how much Paul loves this church of Philippi? Every time he remembers them, he just thanks God for them. That's awesome. As we walk together as a community called Three Circle Church, I would love for us to be a church where people, when they think of us, they go, thank God for Three Circle Church. Thank God for that church out on 104 and 64 and Midtown and Thomasville. Thank God for that church. May we continue to be a church that operates in a way that if they close the doors on our church, the community would grieve because they're so thankful for the work our church does. That, that's what I hope for. That's what I want to see. Paul said every time he thought, verse 4, every time he thought about the church of Philippi, he just had to stop and thank God for that amazing church. Verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. That's the first time we hear the word joy in this book loaded with teaching about joy. But one thing that brought Paul great joy was the thought of this church he planted and how generous they were and how godly they were and how dynamic they were. Verse 5, because of your partnership. So this is what brought him joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I just want to stop there for a moment. Partnership in the gospel. I love this idea. The, the, the New Testament apostles, Paul included, all taught this huge pillar of New Testament theology called the priesthood of the believer. Let me tell you what that means. What that means is when, when Jesus died on the cross, he tore the holy veil in two. And that was very symbolic because for a long time people thought 
and rightly so. They had to have a godly priest uh, to uh, mediate between them and God. Jesus tore that veil in two, and the Bible tells us in the New Testament that because of that, we now as individual believers can go boldly into the throne room of God. You don't have to have me as your pastor. You don't have to have any of our other pastors uh, to lead you into the throne room of God. You don't need a song and a guitar as great as all that is. You, because of the blood of Jesus, have access to the very throne room of a holy God, right? This is absolutely amazing. And, and, and because of that, because of that, we now have this idea of the priesthood of the believer, which means that all believers have this access to God. All believers have been infilled with the Holy Spirit. You have the resurrection power inside of you. You are set apart. You are what the Bible calls a peculiar generation. You're dynamic in Christ, not because of what you have done, but because of what He has done. And because of all of that, Paul, the great Apostle Paul, one of the smartest men who ever lived, wrote most of the New Testament, uh, one of the most pivotal, uh, pivotal characters in the entire Bible. Listen, this Apostle Paul says to normal, everyday, in-process Christians in Philippi, you are my partners in the gospel. You're my partners. Can I just say to you today, we are partners in the work of the gospel. You... Let, let's say when this pandemic is over and you go back to work and you're a school teacher or a lawyer, or maybe the pandemic has not stopped your work. Maybe you're one of our amazing frontline people. You are a firefighter or a police officer. Maybe you're in the medical field and you've been risking your health day after day. We're so thankful for you, but can I tell you something? We are partners in the gospel. It's not just me and the team on stage on Sundays doing this Christian thing. Paul says to the church of Philippi, everyday believers going to work, making tents, making nets, fishing, cooking, uh, cutting people's hair, all the stuff that life entails for us to do as professions, teaching kids, taking care of people's health needs, all of this farming, all the things that are out there for us to do. Paul says we are all partners in the gospel. Have you ever thought of yourself in that way as a believer? A really three circle for just a moment, wherever you are right now, living room, a kitchen, maybe you're... Uh, you're hanging out on the back porch and you're watching this. Have you ever thought of yourself as a partner in the gospel? That is exactly what you are if you are in Christ. And I want to invite you to walk in that. I want you to know that you preach a sermon every day you live your life. You're preaching a sermon. Every time you raise a child to follow Jesus, every time you share your faith with a person in the stands at the ballpark, uh, every time, every time, you're partnering with us in the gospel. There are unlimited ways we can all partner in the gospel. Some of you gave to a special offering for the Code of 19. You partnered with us in the gospel. I want you to know that every time a meal has been delivered, you were a part of delivering it. Uh, those of you who have remained faithful in your giving during this time, when, when things got tight, you said, no, I'm going to keep giving as so many of you have. You partnered with the gospel. Every time you wake up in the morning and you pray over your church, not just the leaders, but over your fellow three-circle believers here, you, you are partnering in the gospel. Isn't this an amazing truth that we get invited into this great adventure? I remember growing up, my grandfather was one of the godliest guys I knew, uh, but he never saw himself really as a partner in the gospel, I don't think. I think my grandfather always saw, maybe it was a little bit because of the way he was taught, 
that the guys on stage, the preachers and the singers, that, that those were the ones really doing the gospel work, and that my grandfather, who was a farmer and an electric uh, electrician and worked at a company and then farmed, and he was an incredibly brilliant man. But I, I, think, uh, I think part of it was that he thought, they're doing their thing, and I'll just do my thing. But I want us to break that wall down for us here at Three Circle. I want you to deeply understand you are a partner in the gospel. And keep leaning into that and keep praying for ways you can better partner in the gospel. Now let's go to this next verse. And it's so important that we do. And this is, I think, the verse we're going to land the plane on for a little while. Verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is a powerful verse that we're going to look at for a few moments. Maybe you've heard it before. As a kid, I was taught this verse. We even sang a, a great song that basically put this verse to music. And there's a few things I want you to understand about the significance of this verse. Number one, Paul says, I am sure of this. Uh, so I'm, he is completely confident. And, and the reason he is, is he knows the character of God. And he says, when God starts something, he finishes it. Now, i got to be honest with you for a minute. Maybe you will be willing to be honest with me. How many of you are good at starting things, but you're not so good at finishing this right there where you are just raise your hand and admit it I'm like this like right now with the pandemic going on we've had a lot of time at home right and I've got a lot of things I need to do at home and I have started all of them I started cleaning my garage I started organizing my closet I started working on some landscaping things I started like cleaning out the gutters and stuff like that on my house I started all those things but I'm gonna be honest with you I don't think I've actually completely finished any of them because I think often we are really good at starting things and sometimes we're not good at finishing well guess what this is good news Paul says I will tell you something you can count on if God starts something he finishes it and Paul lets us know here in this verse that we just read that God began something in you and in me when we became Christians your salvation was the beginning of something not the end Whenever you gave your life to Christ, it wasn't the end. It was the beginning of a whole new life, a whole new adventure. And Paul tells us this new thing he starts, this work that he has begun in you, he will complete it. What is he talking about? Well, what God began at your salvation was turning you into the image of Christ. He is making you into the image of Christ. You get treated like you're a Jesus from the very beginning. You get credit for everything Jesus did. Praise God. But then this process starts. And that process is what God calls His work in you. And the work He's doing every single day, whether it's pandemics and all the things that go along with that, or whether it's a tough day at work, or whether it's a good thing that happens in your life, God's using it all to shape you into the image of Christ. That's the work that began at your salvation. Now, I don't know if you are like me in this, but some days I can be so discouraged. I can even get disgusted with myself, with my lack of being what I think I'm supposed to be in Christ. I think sometimes I just get discouraged because I feel like, man, I keep failing the same way over and over again. I keep falling back into the same behavior patterns and all of those things. And, and so let me tell you why this verse is so important because I bet most of you listening right now feel the same way at times. So let me give you a few things that, that make this verse special. Number one, this is a safe word for you. You can run into this scripture uh, when Satan begins to try to shame and discourage you. When Satan says, you are not what God wants you to be, you can come back with this verse and go, I know, but he's not done with me yet. He's completing 
the work in me. He's doing a work in me. And let me tell you the difference. There's two things this verse tells you. It tells you that one day, the work in you will be complete. That's when you die and go to heaven, there'll be no more sin. And God will eradicate sin from you. That's going to be awesome. But this isn't just a one-day verse. This is a two-day verse. And what does it mean for you today? It means progress. The word completion is for what God's going to do one day for you. But this verse also guarantees that in the life of every Christian, you will see consistent progress. And as daily Christians, when Satan tries to beat us down and shame us for our inadequacies, we come back with this verse and we go, we know we're not where we are going to be, but we are grateful we're not where we used to be. We are in process and we are making progress by the power of God. This verse is a safe haven for us. It's also a hopeful verse for us when we're confronted with our own sin and weakness. When I get disgusted with myself and I go, why can't you overcome this? I need to remember, I'm in process and God is going to finish this work He began in me and in you. It's a sure word. When everything else is shaky, I can depend on this. What did Paul say? I know God's going to finish this. There's no guarantee I'm finishing my garage, I'm going to be honest with you. But there is an absolute guarantee God's going to finish what He has started in you. While you're parenting and working and failing and getting back up and doubting and then being sure and all of that stuff, life, God's working on you and He's working on me. It's a comforting word when we suffer and when we hurt. When I go through bad things and I go, why is this happening? I, I remember this verse. God is working all things together to finish the work He began in me. It's an inspiring word when you just need motivation. When you have days where you just don't want to get up and run the race that God's put in front of you, this is the word that comes to us and helps us. We remember, man, I'm in a process. I need to keep pressing on. God's not done with me. He's going to do more in me today than He ever has, and tomorrow will be another day to see God work in my life. It inspires us to press on. Listen to verse 6 again. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I just remember the big takeaways from this verse for me is that one day we will be complete. But the confidence we can have is that today we are in process and we will see progress. And we can lean into that. We can lean into that. And the thing I got to do in finishing my garage is I got to go, man, I can do a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow. It's not all going to come together at once. And that's any big project. Listen, guys, we are all projects when we come to Jesus. We all go under the work of the Holy Spirit. He starts shaping us, molding us. It's a daily process. Some days it looks like not a lot is getting done. But you can be assured that it is. And some days it's going to look like you're making tremendous progress. And then you wonder, why did the pace slow down? This is all part of walking with Jesus. But you can rest assured that God is at work. And one day He's going to complete it. One day we'll all be with Him and we will be complete works of the grace and mercy of God. But right now we are in progress. So what are a few things you need to be looking for? Uh, number one, are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit? Because the Bible tells you where God's taking you. Jesus lived the fruits of the Spirit perfectly. Uh, we are to walk in them. So are you beginning to walk in things like love and grace and patience and kindness and long-suffering? The things that we were told are very important. Are those things growing in your life? Then you're seeing progress. Not perfection, but progress. 
Uh, are you spending time with God? Are you praying? Are you asking Him, Lord, help me? Because you get a, you get a hand in the partnership of this process. Uh, how is that going for you? Those are things to ask today as we kind of land the plane on this first teaching of Philippians. Uh, we want to be assured that if you're a believer in Christ, something began, and it was a, it was a work, it was a process that's going to lead somewhere one day, and that somewhere is you being a perfect, sinless child of God, and you are in heaven with Him. That's going to be awesome. But what about today in the middle of 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic? What about today? Today I'm looking for progress. Who are you today that you were not last week? And who will you be tomorrow that you were not today? That's the incremental, inch-by-inch work the Holy Spirit's doing in all of us, and we can be confident in that, that He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it in me and in you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for this first installment of the book of Philippians. My prayer is that it would be encouraging to us. Thank you for reminding us that we are works in progress and that you're not done with us that you're going to complete this work you began in us. So help us to be encouraged today when the enemy tries to shame us that we can be confident that you're still working on us. And Lord, when we, when we basically begin to shame ourselves and we don't see the progress we want, would you remind us, God, that you, uh, Lord, you're setting the pace and you're at work in our lives. And Lord, help us to lean into what you're doing in us. And we thank you for your word as we walk through this beautiful, amazing, dynamic, letter from Paul to the Philippians. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.